0: CHAPTER Four, YEAR 854 PXF SUMMER The beast prowled the forest with disdain and nausea as the odors of life filled its nostrils and coated its tongue. Its master summoned it from the fields of boiling putrescence where it and its kind existed. The master had bound it with his blood and encased its incorporeal form in bulging flesh and gnashing jaws. The magics of the ritual demanded one task of the beast, which it was impatient to fulfill. Once complete, it would be released, leaving behind the flesh it had been imprisoned in, along with this world of life and hope. The beast lifted its muzzle, choking down another wave of bile as it breathed deeply, and there upon the wind was the scent for which it searched, near the hallowed ground it had avoided, but steadily moving away from its protection. Talon and Riken set out on foot from their camp, backtracking along the game trails which led to the spring. After an hour on the hunt, the two stalked a faint rustling in the underbrush and surprised a prize boar. Talon, with crossbow, and Riken, with his maul, dispatched the beast quickly and set about cleaning their kill. Dressed and slung from a sturdy branch, they carried the boar between them and began the trek back to the horses. A disturbing smell hit their nostrils: sulfur, brimstone, and decay. What sprung from the woods, Talon could not say. A giant canine form, black as soot, with eyes burning like embers. Its jaws locked onto and ripped into Riken's side, shaking his body as if he were no more than a ragdoll. No! Talon screamed, lunging at the beast with nothing more than the broken piece of the branch they had hung the boar from. He swung wide, missing the beast not because of his lack of prowess, but due to the unexpected reaction of the beast to his scream. It cowered like a chided lapdog. The beast guiltily dropped Riken and fled into the forest with its tail tucked. With the clarity of hindsight later in life, Talon would also remember the strangest thing about the beast's hasty retreat. Before leaving, it bowed to him. Riken's grunt of pain brought Talon out of the adrenaline-soaked shock he was in. Talon leaped to Riken's side and examined the wound. While grievous, it did not have the hallmarks of being life-threatening. Talon felt that, undoubtedly, with one of Balanon's healing potions back at the estate, Riken should have no issue being fined by morning. Talon ripped Rikin's shirt off and bound it tightly around his waist to staunch the bleeding. Then, placing Riken's arm over his own shoulder to support his weight, the two limped back to the horses. Talon did not even bother to break camp in his haste to get Rikin home, knowing he could send a servant for their things later. They were still over an hour away from the estate when Riken swooned and fell from his horse. Talon rushed to his aid, smelling sulfur and brimstone coming from the wound even as he approached, and then saw the angry red color that had stained Riken's skin beyond the makeshift bandage. Talon heaved the delirious Riken onto his horse and mounted up behind him, galloping them both home as fast as the mount could carry them. By the time they arrived, Riken was burning with a fever hotter than Talon believed any living thing could create. His whole torso was stained an unnatural ox-blood red from the wound. Screaming for Balanon, Talon galloped into the courtyard and carried Riken to the surgery, a feat he could never have accomplished at any other time. Unfortunately, even Balanon's most potent potions, which Talon knew could instantly mend bones and cure the most soured wounds, could do nothing but stabilize Riken of the corruption invading his body. Mikal, distraught and racked with grief at the fate of his apprentice, who he had treated much like a son for over a half-dozen years, hovered at Riken's bedside when allowed. Even so, and not being known as a superstitious man, he still used the commoner's wards against evil before entering and after leaving the surgery to visit. Talon was inconsolable all through the night, unable to even coherently tell the story of what had occurred or how it had happened. Tales of the strange wound spread among the estate staff. However, they miraculously faded with the intervention of Lord and Lady Corvermain to a more reasonable explanation of a direwolf attracted to the smell of the freshly killed boar. Two days passed with Talon in a haze of exhaustion, grief, and physical pain from the fear of losing Ryken. Talon's parents seemed unconcerned with the plight of their son's closest friend, and even less so about the strangeness of the corruption Talon and Mikal could see had taken a deep hold within Riken's body. He was only shaken out of his stupor when he saw a stranger stride into the estate's courtyard through the surgery window, an elder Uldani of a high station who greeted Mikal like an old friend. It was strange to Talon for a human to be so friendly with an Uldani, as they were known for their volatile and passionate nature but the ease with which the Uldani handed over his ornately wrought weapons spoke volumes about their previous business. After a quick detour to drop off the weapons at the smithy, an act that seemed to put much of the estate's staff more at ease, Mikal brought the visitor to the surgery. Notably, neither the lord nor lady of the Kovarmane estate made an appearance or greeted such a unique visitor. Mikal and the Uldani elder found Talon at Rikin's side, forehead on Rikin's hand with no more tears to give, left only with the sharp emptiness of grief. He stared blankly, unable to comprehend why Mikal or Balanon, hovering over his medicinal books in the corner, would allow a stranger to trespass in this place. This is an old friend, Architavia Therandis, seer of the Argotheris. I sent out a message in hopes he could help. He is a champion of Tamil Vigos, the living breeze, blessed with powerful divine and elemental magics. A holy shaman. Balanon, who was about to intervene seeing the Uldani enter, bowed ceremonially and recited an elvish greeting upon hearing the introduction. Please, Please, was all Talon could say at first. Please, I can't lose him after we have just truly found each other. Architavia Therandus's deep voice filled the chamber a voice that could shake mountains but conveyed a boundless kindness in this moment. My child, I can make no promises as to what lies ahead, but I give you my word, I will try to bring him back to you. The Uldani's eyes flashed a bright living green as he examined Riken and his wound. A deep frown darkened his face, belying the fury he could bring to those who stood against him. Tell me, child, everything that happened... Then, looking to Balanon, Thirandus continued. And all measures you have taken. Under the oldani's gaze, a deep calm washed over Talon. He recounted every detail of the encounter as though he was reliving it again. He remembered everything clearly except the details of the beast. Try as he might, any element of his memory relating to the beast was shrouded from him. Even prodding from Architavia Therandus seemed to have no effect in pulling back the curtain that had fallen over his recollection of the creature that had attacked. Upon nodding to Balanon, Architavia Therandus flatly stated to Mikal, I must take the boy from this place. He cannot heal here. No! pleaded Talon. You promised! I can't lose him! Child, this is not a place of healing for what ails him. His eyes making a wary circuit of the space, Arcatavia Thirandus continued. If anything, it will make him worse. I will come with you then, Talon begged. Where I travel is no place for you either. There was a finality to Thirandus' words as he stood to his full height. I won't let you take him. Talon also stood, facing off to Thirandus, mustering every bit of authority he could and felt he had. Child, be still. Architavia Thirandus's voice cracked like a whip. You are part of the problem. Talon stumbled backward in shock, catching the stool off-center. He fell, tailbone hitting the floor, mouth agape, stunned. It was as though his every fear was being realized. He wasn't worthy of Riken. He never was. The voice slithered into his mind on the attack. I told you, it hissed and then was gone. Utterly defeated and broken, Talon's mind slipped into an all-encompassing haze. Whether it was for a moment, a minute, or an hour that he remained in the fugue, Talon would never know. All he knew was when he finally awoke from his stupor, Rikin and Architavia Therandis were gone. It was evening before Talon could build the courage to confront Mikal. <laughs> "'How could you let him take Rhaikon?' Talon wailed, his voice shaking and unhinged. "'In a sorrowful whisper, Mikal replied, "'This is the way of shamans, son. You saw as well as me that something evil had taken root. "'He needed a holy place, one of elemental and divine power. "'If Architavia Thorandis had not taken Ryken for the help he needed—' He surely would have been lost to us, or worse. He sighed. Now, Riken at least has a chance. Talon sought answers from his parents, who confronted him with stone-faced indifference. When he demanded answers, all he got was silence. That is when Talon began to train, needing something to fill the void that Riken's absence had left inside him. Knowing nothing better to do, he trained just to become stronger berating himself for failing Ryken out on the hunt and being unable to stop Architavia Thurandus from taking him. Through summer heat and autumn's chilling rains, Talon trained with the single-minded focus only the young can maintain. Winter came and went, as did the blossoms of spring. Year 855 PXF. Summer. It wasn't until over a year had passed that Talon emerged mentally from his dedication and regiment. It was at the dinner table after finishing the second plate of food he had barely tasted. He stood up as his father excused himself, as was the custom, and Talon realized he was looking him eye to eye with a level gaze, no longer needing to lift his head. An instant of confusion swept over Talon, ridiculously thinking, When had his father shrunk? Then a wave of memory washed over him through the fog of the previous year. Pants were being made because his had become too short. New tunics, as the old ones were too tight in the chest and shoulders. Splitting logs and felling trees for the smithy. He had been carrying quarter-barrels, then half-barrels, and now full-barrels across the courtyard again and again. He suddenly felt like his body wasn't his. It was as if he was noticing its new mass and height all at once. What had he become? What had he made himself? Then all those questions and doubts became like a drop of rain compared to the ocean as Riken's face filled his mind. His soul remembered every moment of their years together, and it was crystal clear what the last year was all for. Finding Riken. Father, interrupting the Lord of House Corvermain's exit, I require training with weapons. For the first time in his life, it was not a request Talon made of his father, but a flat statement of what was to be done. Toman Corvermain bristled for an instant before a slight predatory smile crossed his face. I'll arrange it, my son.